Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, we've been winding down our study in the book of Romans, and we've been looking at a very practical, powerful, poignant section of the book of Romans. We've been talking about, you've been with us, you know, Christian living and how we're to live as Christians and how we're to live as Christians in, you know, the world and as it relates to government A couple of weeks ago, we talked about paying your taxes. I've checked and I've realized that we have not sold one CD on that sermon. I don't know what the problem is. Would somebody please tell me? Pay your taxes. We've been talking about that. All that Christian living, how we're to live. This morning, this afternoon, we're going to get real and get practical again As this time, we're going to deal with the area of personal conviction or not. Personal conviction or not. Listen, give me your attention. There are many areas, many things in the Bible that are clear areas of sin that we should not do. The Bible is very clear on some of these areas. But we also have those areas in our lives of what we should and should not do as Christians that are not so clear. These are areas that we call areas of personal conviction or what we call gray areas in your life. Paul this morning is going to give us two examples of gray areas where people can differ. The two examples, are you listening, that Paul is going to talk to us about that we're going to talk about are areas as it relates to, number one, if you're taking notes, saints, diet. And then secondly, we're going to talk about days. Diet and days. What do you eat and don't eat? And what days do you worship? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. My sermon title is Diversity or Division, Love is the Key. That's so true. Go with me to Romans chapter 14. We pick up in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Receive one, Paul says, who is weak in, would you underline this, the faith. But not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only, what saints, vegetables. 
Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. And who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God, listen, is able to make him stand. And one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike, but let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are, what saints? The Lord's. You getting this? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. For to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written in Isaiah 45, verse 23, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, in verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So the key is love. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Listen. The church is not perfect. The church is full of imperfect people. There is no perfect church. There's some people that say, well, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, good luck. And I'll tell you what, if you find the perfect church, as soon as you join it, you have just messed it up. Then <laughs> somebody say, amen, pastor. You're looking for the perfect church. The reason the church is not perfect, because the church is made up of people. The church is not a building. Are you getting this? This building is not the church. You are the church. So there is no perfect church. Even the first century church. You know, people, well, I want to get back to the first century church. I got to get back to the first century church. Listen, if you get back to the first century church, you will find out that the first century church is just like the church today. It's full of problems. Acts chapter 2, don't you remember? Well, actually, Acts chapter 1, let's go back to 1. There was 120 believers. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people got saved. And now there's 3,120 believers in the church. You're talking about a mega church. This was a mega church overnight. I mean, think about that. 3,000 people came to church in one chapter. I mean, think about that. This is like a super mega church. And in the super mega church, they had problems as well. They had management problems in the first century church. Acts chapter 5 and chapter 6. We find out that there was a problem between the Hellenist women and the Jewish women because the Hellenist women felt slighted by the leadership and by the Jewish women as it relates to the church's welfare system. 
They had a management problem in the first century church in the book of Acts. And then we come to the church of Galatia, to the region of Galatia. As Paul wrote to that church that had problems, don't bite and devour one another. And then Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he wrote, be of one mind toward each other. And then to the church at Philippi, there were two ladies in the church, and they had a big argument and a big disagreement, and it almost split the church. And then to the church at Thessalonica, some people in the church at Thessalonica had quit their jobs because they believed that the Lord was coming, so they shouldn't work. And Paul wrote them a letter and said, if a man don't work, he must not want to eat. Amen. I say apply that to my house. Apply that to your house. You don't work, you don't eat. You tell your three-year-old, listen, you need to get a job, buddy. Because you don't work, you don't eat. Well, I'm only three years old. So what? Throw some newspapers or something. There was problems in the church. And then you go to the church at Corinth. My goodness, there were all kinds of problems in that church. And People were dividing, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. They got a problem with speaking in tongues, sexual immorality in the church, and the gifts of the Spirit were like, woo, all over the place. And the church at Corinth had lots of problems. And here we come to the church at Rome, and they also had problems in the area of personal convictions. Personal convictions. Now keep in mind, as we've pointed out in the past, the church in Rome was a diverse church. It was a church much like our church, the church that we're looking at right now. But it was also a divided church. You see, you have Jewish people and Gentile people that are coming into the church and joining the church. And so the Jewish people, are you listening, would come into the church and they had been under the law and now they're learning about liberty and freedom in Christ. And so they're coming out of legalism the Jewish people, toward this thing called grace. Well, then you've got the Gentile people who are being saved, and they're coming out of hedonism and self-indulgence and worshiping pagan temples and sleeping with temple prostitutes and being drunk all the time. So you've got the Gentiles coming in the church out of self-indulgence and total freedom into a place of more balance. So you've got this mix of people, some mature believers and some immature believers. You want to note, go back with me to verse 1 of chapter 14, as Paul is writing to the stronger, more mature believer. Now, how do you know that, Rodney? Well, remember the Bible, there's no chapter and verse. So if you fast forward to chapter 15, verse 1, go ahead and look at that, if you will. Chapter 15, in verse 1. Notice in verse 1, we then, Paul is writing, are you looking at it? Say amen. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples, that's in the new King Jimmy, scruples, in the King Jimmy, it says infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We then who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Paul is writing, are you getting this? Paul is writing to the mature Christian, and he says, receive one who is weak in the faith. Now, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 14 again. You can't miss this, because if you don't read carefully, you might. But I want you to see it. 
Look at Romans 14 in verse 1. Notice he says, receive one who is weak in the faith. You see that? Notice Paul doesn't say who is weak in faith. He says weak in the faith. You see, they're not weak in faith because they believe something very strongly. He says they are weak in the faith. Now, Bible students, listen. When Paul refers to those who are weak in the faith, when Paul refers to the New Testament, refers to the faith, the New Testament is talking about referring to the embodiment of Christian truth. The embodiment of Christian truth is often called the faith in the New Testament. The faith refers to all the doctrine, listen, and all the truth that we've read in chapters 1 through 8. And these weaker believers who were weak in the faith, the doctrinal truths of Scripture. Are you with me so far? Say amen. Amen. They haven't laid hold of Romans chapter 8 verse 1 that says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The weaker believers have not really laid hold of Romans chapter 5 verse 1 that says that we are justified by faith and not by works. The weaker believer hasn't grasped the righteousness, which is by faith and not by good works. Listen, their weakness lies in their traditional baggage that weighs down their conscience and causes them to be judgmental of other people. The traditional baggage that you bring in the church. You know, I got to tell you something. When I came out of, I was, got saved in a Pentecostal church and, And I thank God for my Christian heritage. I thank God for um, the fact that I went to a church that was an evangelistic church. But I also have to tell you that I came out of a church that was legalistic. The church was really legalistic. And when I came to Calvary Chapel, I came into Calvary Chapel with a lot of traditional baggage. And listen, traditional baggage makes a person irrational and they become oversensitive over non-essentials. Let me say that again. A person who's carrying a lot of traditional baggage becomes oversensitive over non-essentials. What Paul is saying here, he is not talking about essential truths of the Christian faith that we need to not judge each other. Listen, there are certain essential, uh, 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 non-negotiable principles and doctrines of the Christian faith that if you don't believe them, you might want to question whether you're even saved. And it's for those things we need to judge and we need to argue and we need to give a defense and we need to defend the virgin birth, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus, the Trinity, the atonement, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to save us from our sins. And it's by the blood, are you listening? And by the blood only that we are saved and forgiven. Don't add anything to it and don't take anything away from it. I need more than 10 people to say amen. Amen. <laughs> Right? And, and we, don't, we don't waffle on those points. The deity of Jesus Christ. He was 100% man and 100% God. It was, he was not 50-50. He wasn't 80-20. He wasn't 70-30. He wasn't 60-40. He wasn't 90-10. 
Amen. Y'all tough crowd, but I'm going to break you in. That's all right. Y'all tough crowd. He was 100% man and 100% God. Listen, those are non-negotiable issues. We don't waffle on those. Those are essential to the Christian faith. But there are many things concerning our lives as Christians that are non-essentials. And the weaker Christian gets over-sensitive over non-essentials. Well, how come you guys don't have an altar call? I can't worship at that church. They don't have an altar call. Listen, an altar call, that's a non-essential. Whether you have an altar call or not, that's a non-essential. We don't have altar calls because, one, I don't believe altar calls save people. Jesus saved. Somebody say amen. Not only that, I'm going to wait. That's fine. That's right. Amen. We don't have an altar call because they didn't have altar calls in, in, in the Bible. Do you know that? They didn't have altar calls in the Bible. When people got saved, they went down to the River Jordan and they were baptized there. And that was their public proclamation of their profession of Christ. Nobody had altar Why don't you guys have altar calls? Why don't you guys have a cross in the church? Somebody once addressed this. Once a year, somebody addresses this. Well, you guys don't have a cross at the church now. Why don't you have a cross at the church? I don't even know if you're a real church. What is up with that thing there? I mean, what is that? What, what is that? If things coming off your head like this, I mean, what is that? Why don't you have a cross in the church? I mean, you know, a real church, you don't even have a cross. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, we don't have a cross because we don't have a cross. Cause I, don't, I, I just I don't like that. I mean, I like it. I, I think it's nice, you know. I just, I just like it. it. That's all. It's not personal. I mean, it's not. It's it's not in. It's not intended to make a statement. I just like it, and I, you know, crosses. I mean, I like crosses too. I preach the cross. I'm a preacher of the cross. But I just, I just thought Calvary Chapel just looked cool there. I don't know. I mean, what do, you, what do you want me to say to you? I just don't believe you. Don't have a cross. I mean, what? Uh, 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 well, what kind of church is that? People are all caught up in the non-essentials. None of those things are essential to our faith in Christianity. Why don't you have a baptistry? That's the pool that's behind the pulpit in the church sometimes. They call it a baptistry. Well, you know, how are you guys baptizing people? Well, we go over to the pool at Pull and Park. <laughs> the pool at Pull and Park. You know, they accentuate those P's. The pool at Pull and Park. Well, I never. I'm like, well, why do you go to the pool? Well, you know, we just we just need a lot of water. That's all. I mean, <laughs> I'm working here, people. I mean, what do you want me to say to you? All of these things are non-essential. Listen, non-essentials. Don't get caught up in non-essentials. Paul calls them the weaker brother. Now get the context of the text. Listen, the problem in this church, get this, the weaker believers were having a problem with the stronger believers because, are you listening? The stronger believers would go down to the supermarket called the shambles. Like you got Harris Teeter, they had the shambles, which I don't know if I want to be shopping at the shambles. I don't know. <laughs> Who's shopping at the shambles, man? I don't know. But they would go down to the shambles, the stronger Christians, and they would buy meat. And they would bring the meat back. And they would be barbecuing the meat. And the weaker Christian would come up and go, what in the world are you doing? 
What are you doing? He's going, I'm barbecuing a piece of meat. I bought, where'd you get that meat from? Oh, I got it down. The shambles. The shambles? That meat, don't you know that meat had been offered to idols? That meat is evil. And the stronger Christian would say, wait a minute, I don't, I never, I'm just, man, I'm just barbecuing a steak here. I mean, I didn't think it was like evil. I don't think it's evil. And I got it like $2 off a pound. I mean, it's just like, you know, I was just getting something on sale. I wasn't trying to eat something evil. So the weaker Christian would say, wait a minute, that meat has been offered to idols. That, that, that meat is evil. There's some demonic activity connected with the meat. And the weaker Christian would say, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm only going to eat vegetables. So what you have is the battle of the herbivores versus the carnivores. <laughs> you see, this is what was going on in the church. And it was a division. And it's Split the church, if you will, with people, the herbivores on this side and the carnivores on this side. And don't you know, at the end of every service, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Rodney, I have seen more church splits over stupid things than anybody needs to say. Most church, do you realize that most church splits are over stupid stuff? I got to town so many years ago. I found out down in Raleigh, there was a, many years ago, a white church, the first Baptist church of Raleigh, and it was all white for so many years. And then one of the white families brought a black family to church, and the white people were like, oh, no, 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 we can't be, you can't be bringing black people to church. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> oh, we can't have that, not here. And, and it caused a big problem in the church. And so black people stopped going to that first Baptist church of Raleigh, and they went and established their own first black Baptist church of Raleigh. And you had the first white Baptist church of Raleigh. And how stupid is that? That's why I love this church. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're blue, you're purple. If you're purple, I might have to pray for you. But because we got a little issue, there's something going on in there. Because purple's not a skin color. Not unless you're Barney. Other than that, we have a problem. But anybody, whatever race, whatever color, you are welcome to come to this church. Isn't that awesome? Come. Bring your white friends. Black folks, hear me. Bring your white friends. White folks, listen. Bring your black friends. Because nobody don't care what you, what you look like. We don't care about the color of your skin. We're here to worship Jesus, not you. What's up with that? Church splits. Stupid. Listen at this. I, I heard this story. Listen at this. There was a man, get this, a man walking across the Golden Gate Bridge when he saw a woman about to jump off. Well, the man tried to talk her out of it, and he asked her, was she a Christian? Yes, she said. He said, me too. What a small world. Protestant or Catholic? She replied, Protestant. Me too. What denomination? Baptist, she said. Me too, the man said. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist, she said. 
Well, Carl Ripley's Believe It or Not, that's incredible, he said. Well, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, remarkable. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, Great Lakes Region? Or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, Eastern Region? Well, she answered, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist, Great Lakes Region. That's a miracle, he said. And are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Council of 1912? Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said, die, you heretic. And he pushed her over the rail. (laughs) It's like, man, this is just stupid. I mean, stupid, stupid, stupid. It's like, wait a minute. Here we are. Listen, I just read a report some time ago. Here we are in disagreement over ridiculous things. And this report read that every minute, get this, every minute someone dies and goes to hell. And here we are in the church arguing about, in the first church, in this this book of Romans, arguing over a menu. And you got people who are dying and going to hell. And it was Jesus himself, are you listening, that prayed when he was in the garden because Jesus knew that the church is prone to divisiveness. The church is prone to be divided. And Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 17. And Jesus said, Father, he says, I pray that they, Christian folks, are one even as we are one. Before the church was even established, Jesus was praying for unity in the church. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.